Hello and welcome to Mindset Musings Podcast, recorded from officially the most entrepreneurial city in the country, Portsmouth. Ben Miles, co-founder of one of the UK's largest music festivals, and Cy Gardner, co-founder of one of the hot 100 and fastest growing recruitment companies in Britain, search far and wide for what drives the most successful people from their chosen sectors, business, leadership, sports, and media. Now over to Ben and Simon for this week's show. Um, yeah, just before we introduce this week's guest, um, just a quick um, quick chat on the on the on the format of the show. We're, we're going to introduce each guest with a bit more of a conversational feel, um, and that's thanks to some great feedback from from um, obviously from you guys. So um, new new way of introducing the show there, Ben. Yes, I like it. Learning on the job, Simon. That's what exactly. it's all about. Practicing exactly that. What we, practicing what we preach. Yes, indeed, and we do preach. Um, that's for sure. Um, but no, this week's guest is, um, I mean, unbelievable, really, to, to have our fourth guest on. Um, we've, we've had some great guests so far. got you know, loads more to come. Um, but from the music industry, um, hugely influential person. Um, and as two Oasis fans, we're, we're pretty excited about today's guest, weren't we? Yes, so this week we were joined by the one and only founder of Creation Records, Mr. Alan McGee. Yeah, um, unbelievable. And and um, what, what a colourful character and what a colourful life. Um, came to London from Glasgow um, after a you know, pretty tough upbringing, difficult relationship with his dad. Um, he, he talks about that in the interview very candidly. Um, came, came south on the train with £12. Um, and, and as obviously was well documented, um, sold his sold his company in the end in, in two tranches actually to to Sony for for, t- for twenty million. So you know, um, yeah, really, really, uh, we were really excited about this interview. Um, and um, yeah, an absolute an absolute monster for you to land for, for obviously for so early on in this podcast. Yeah, and Alan in his own right is a uh, extremely successful businessman. Um, as you just mentioned, uh, as well as the music. Um, but he is a true music fan. Um, and he had some, he brought some great bands through Jesus and Mary Chain, Primal Scream, um, Super Fairy Animals. The, the, the list is endless. We'll, we'll uh, touch on them in the show notes uh, with, with a link to Alan's previous work. But um, yeah, fantastic insight, especially for myself being, being in the music world. Um, a, a real big name who's, uh, whose work has inspired many many people so um yeah enough of us simon over to this week's guest mr alan mcgee our guest this week is former head of creation records the one and only mr alan mcgee alan welcome to the mindset musings podcast hey ben um alan so first question for you, um, where and when did your love of music first develop? Um, well, I was just a fan. I mean, I'm still a fan, really, Ben. I, well, I'm a total fan, to be honest. And uh, I was lucky. The one thing that's made me be able to 
continue doing music my entire life, really, is that I, I never stopped being a fan. I mean, I've made for my friends in the last two days something like seven playlists on Spotify. I've been doing that my entire life, do you know what I mean? And then I listen back to them and well, I walk a lot. I either do meetings. Uh, I mean, everybody's had to change their their, uh, their work day around because now because of Corona. But um, I walk around either London or here in Wales, as you can see. There you go. That's my view. Oh, lovely. There you go. Got a big, big mad house in the, the Welsh countryside. And uh, and, and you know, I'll make, yesterday I walked for fifteen miles down here playing music, and then. So, and then I do business. I have three or four meetings on the phone as I'm walking, and that's just how I do my my business now. You know, I mean, it never, I never used to be this healthy. You know, I mean, I've now lost forty pounds and blah blah blah. But, but I suppose that's the one good thing with the lockdown that you everybody got a chance to sort themselves out. You know, and a lot of people did. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so what is it? What is it you you love about music, Alan? Uh, I suppose the way it makes me feel. Uh, I suppose it's just it gives me an optimism about life. Uh, in a nutshell, probably that. Yeah, Alan. So obviously, I'd like to ask you about the um, the early days of, of, of promoting gigs. You know, what was that like? Um, well, I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest, mate. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just, uh, I just put on some shows, and uh, and people showed up, and I was totally clueless, to be honest, how I did it. I mean, I, I'd come down to London uh, with no money when I was nineteen. Uh, I had a terrible relationship with my parents, with my father in particular, uh, who, you know, you know battered absolute fuck out of me. Um, um, so I had been, I hadn't lived at home since I'd been 16. At 19, I was working in a building site in Glasgow. I couldn't really think of a good reason not to come down to London. But I didn't think, I didn't hold any hope so that it would work out. I came down, I, I, I flipped a squat. You could have squats back in these days. Um, and uh, Got a squat, and um, and from there, um, you know, I started a club about six months later called uh, the Living Room. And the first, I just was good with music, guys. I, I put on this band called Television Personalities, who were popular. They had barely done any shows, but they put out this record, Part Time Punks, and John John Peel had blasted it. They hadn't done; they weren't even a real band at that point, and it sold about hundred thousand copies. They hated managers and music business and promoters. They knew me. They said, put us on. I put it on in a, in a room above a pub and 200 people came. So again, it was just because I was like, I was a music fan and I could talk to people and they, they gave me their, their first or the second ever gig and 200 people showed up and I kind of taught myself how to do it, you know, from that point. But I suppose I must have had, if that's your like first gig you ever put on and you get 200 people, I must have had something that I knew what was good, you know. Yeah, that really resonates with me, actually, Alan, because I, that's how I started out um, back when I wasn't even old enough to go in pubs. Uh, yeah, put, yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting on gigs for 60-odd people in the in the rooms above pubs and fly, yeah. po- fly posting and doing the door myself. And, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. from... Well, they, that, 
Well, then you sound exactly like me, Ben. That, that was that was me in nineteen eighty one in London, putting on gigs and twenty, and 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 it kind of got did well. I, for a twenty year old kid, guys, I was making about seven or eight hundred pound a week off a, off a point putting these kind of bands on, like the Nightingales, the television personalities, the Membranes, the Mekons, the Jazz Butcher. I mean, all these bands. And then Creation got its first... It, all, all the bands that I then went on to sign were like, um, you know, Primal Scream, the Jason Mary Chain. They were all support bands at the living room and the loft, the Jasmine Minx, you know, and I, I and I, I signed up all the, the little bands that would be the support acts, and that, that's that's how I did it. So, what was your drive and motivation to to start Creation Records? In a nutshell, not to have a real job. That's a good answer. That's a very good answer, Alan. It's an honest answer. <laughs> yeah. <isn't it>? yeah. <laughs> Um, and and obviously, Alan, during that time, you know the the obviously the list of bands that you've managed are are, are huge, and obviously Oasis being the, the 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 ones that Ben and I are big fans of. But you know, how how did you deal with such big personalities at the time? And you know, what sort of mindset did you have to kind of take on to 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 to, to deal with such creative people? Well, just before I get into the question, just to be to be straight with you. I did manage nearly all the bands, but I didn't manage Oasis, but I did sign them for records and I did sign the publishing, mm. which you could argue was the better part of the deal, really, to be honest. But uh, but all the other bands, yeah, I probably managed them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I suppose I was signing big characters, awkward people, mavericks, I suppose, whether they were going to ever make money or not was a debate, but they were all full-on characters, and that's the people that I signed. And you know, and you could argue that I'm still doing it today with Sean Ryder and and John Power and mm. you know James in Las Vegas. I'm still Kyle Faulkner. I'm still got these kind of wild people that I still I still manage. You know, I don't know. I'm not doing that deliberately, but maybe that's the thing. But musically. This is, it's more important than music, guys. I think I was I, for there was a t- most of creation records. I only ever signed the same band, which was a a band a bit past punk in musically. And if they had been born in you know if they'd been born in the late fifties, sort of thing, mm. they would have been part of the punk scene. But they were born five or six years later, so they were part of my creation scene. But essentially, they were just kind of spiky post-punk characters that were like maybe a bit more musically developed in the punk bands arguably but they were kind of the same people you know yeah yeah and and you know how how, how did you sort of decide who to allocate your time and resources to you know during those early times of that label mm, I well some of it is where the money is and if the G's and Mary Chain are blowing up mm. Then you allocate your time to Jason Mary Chain, which is just business, isn't it? I'm sure you guys are like that. Whatever the money is, you you got to look after that particular part of it. But some of it was just with Primal Scream. It was just a, it was it literally was, you know, just something that I was obsessed with because I'd grown up with them and 
I, I, part of breaking creation was like to break primal scream. You know what I mean? Um, Alan, it's known uh, that you went through a bit of a period living an excessive lifestyle, which, which got a bit too much for you at one point. How did you conjure up the mental strength to come through that tough period? Um, I, I mean, I just got sober, mate. It's not, a, I'm not, it's not a complicated process. It's like you just got to stop, you know, you know, taking drugs and stop getting pissed. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't think it's particular to rock and roll or, or bands or music. I think it's just this, you know, I think there's lots of people with normal fucking jobs drink too much and, 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 and let, you know, I've got a drug habit as well, you know. Um, how did it feel for you personally, Alan, and when you first sold part of the ownership of creation onto uh, Sony, I believe it was? I was fine with it, really. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I love to have owned the Oasis contract. Uh, and it would have been, I mean, the amount of money, can you imagine if I had, like, you know, owned that with no help for Sony? Do you know what I mean? You know, how unbelievable. But at the end of the day, I just was like, I was probably relieved because I had a million pounds, 1.2 million pounds worth of debt. And Sony came in and paid it off gave us a couple of million to carry on and we proceeded onwards and, and you know, we got lucky essentially. It would, it would, the wheels were coming off the wagon just before, definitely maybe, and then that album came out and sold seven million and then suddenly, you know, Sony, Sony were like that guy that's been taking us for loads of money for the last year and a half. Maybe he's a genius, which I which I'm not. You know what I mean? But um, just a guy that likes music, and and you know, I was I I hit a purple patch early nineties where almost everything I signed kind of got in the charts. You know what I mean? For three or four years, you know what I mean? We've um we've often spoken on this podcast uh, and, and elsewhere about the mantra um, that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Do you believe in that? And do you believe um, that to be true for when you first saw Oasis at King Tut's, for example? I think... I think I was the only person that was going to get it, ultimately, really. Uh, and luckily, they found me and I found them. Um, but I think in a bigger... I think what happened is... I mean, I'm a fucking geek, guys. I'm not cool. I've never been fucking cool in my life, right? And I just was obsessed with a certain type of thing, you know, and it was, it came out with the Mary chain and then it came to the house of love and, and the Valentines. And then it came to ride and all the shoegaze stuff. Primal scream popped in the middle of it. Fan club popped in the middle of it. Uh, you know, sugar popped in the middle of it. It all became, it got, became a point that I was, I'd become like the indie charts at one point. Do you know what I mean? And, I suppose, ultimately, there was only a few games in town that you were going to sign to, and you know Oasis, and I was I was about. I mean, I found Oasis on a on a bank holiday Sunday night. What A and R man is frequenting King Tut's in Glasgow? Right, it's a dump, right? Oh, I, 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 I've been to King Tut's. It's good. Right, right, you know that, right? King Tut's on a Sunday night bank holiday, and I'm there. So you make your own luck, guys. I mean, yeah. do you know what? It's like, if I hadn't been there, maybe they would have ended up getting signed or maybe they would have got signed and somebody... I think I was the right 
person at that point to put that band's records out because I didn't fuck with it. I let it be what it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why that's why it blew up. You know. Yeah, no, no, and uh, you know, thank goodness it did because um, what a legacy it's left behind. Um, we we know you obviously for great successes like Jesus and Mary Chain and Primal Scream, um, but o- Oasis are notably one one of the the biggest acts of all time that you were involved is involved with, like we just mentioned. Uh, what was it like in those early years um, when they were experiencing that stratospheric success and you know the Nebworth concerts? What was that like? It was amazing. I mean, it was, it was, look, it was an incredible time, you know. I'd got sober, you know, in night, early 94. I was young, 33. You know, I'd, I'd been absolutely off my nut for six or seven years before that. Uh, and, you know, it was a great time. I'd got sober. My band were number one everywhere. It was, like, fucking great, you know. It doesn't probably get any better than that mm-hmm. until you start having kids, and then, then that is better than that, you know what I mean? Yeah, we. Um, I've spoken before to people. Um, you, you'll probably resonate with this with like the main road gig and, and Nebworth for us doing the festival. You, the the buzz you get from that, you you can't put that into words. That feeling. Yeah, I was amazing. I mean, it was, it was an amazing time. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely amazing time. Um, Alan, do you realise that you're held in such high esteem by so many people, or do you just see yourself as a, a normal guy from from Glasgow? Honestly, I, 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 for my own sanity, I just see myself as a guy that does music and people are kind of interested in, but that's about it. That's the way I deal with it. I don't know if it's even true, my own perception of myself, but it kind of works for me because I, I don't... I mean, I've had my moments of being up more and ask guys. I'm not saying, do you know what I mean? But in recent times, I've been cool as, cool as a cucumber and that's good and I want to keep it that way, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I mean, I mean, the idea, and especially now with everything that's going on politically and 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 the whole thing about you can't actually say what you fucking think and stuff like that. I just think it's it's good just it's good just to fucking keep straight on, you know what I mean? And that's what I'm trying to do, you know what I mean? I'm I'm I'm, I'm humble, genuinely humble, but the way that I make sense of it. I mean, I've got the film out and everything, guys, but it's like the way I make sense of it is just I'm just a wee guy from Glasgow doing music and it seems to be, it seems to work for me. So I ain't changing it. Yeah, yeah, no, good on you, Alan. Um, There's a reference in the film, uh, The Creation Stories, which we'll obviously put a link to in our our show notes, uh, where your character states, uh, I've given my favourite toy to the big boys around when you finally um, finished with creation and and sold up. So how did that feel at the time and now looking back do you feel any different about that time or do you still feel the same it was the right thing no I wasn't half of that film was just Irvin Welsh yeah I wish I was as cool as some of the things that the character in the film says I'm not <laughs> I mean I, all that stuff about be a rebel and do you know that bit at the end yeah I, I, I don't think that I'd, I'd say feed your kids do you know what I mean mm. so uh you know I mean I'm cool in my own little way you know I mean a guy from Glasgow that is quite realistic about himself. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like when we were getting offered actors in the very beginning and they offered me Ewan McGregor and I was like, I fucking look like this. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, he's like a big fucking, he's like a sex bomb. He looks as if he comes from Sweden. I'm a wee guy from fucking Govan Hill in Glasgow. So I'm realistic <laughs> about myself. Do you know what I mean? And like, luckily that holds, that's why that character in the film, you're, you're getting Ewan works because 
you guys watch it kind of know what a rough we look like and mm. you go well that's kind of believable he is a bit mental and it's like that character gets him do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah did you did you find though because you'd put your obviously your heart and soul you know you were creation records did you find any tinge of sadness giving it up um you know something you created or were you just at the time you just pleased that it was the end of the line at the time I was I thought I was doing the right thing I'm not sure I did do the right thing I mean on one level, if life's about enjoyment, then I did do the right thing because I had an incredible next 10 years. Do you know what I mean? Incredible. But Because uh, I think basically why I really did it, as much as I hated Sony, I had for, the, for 20 years from about 18, 19 since I went to London, and now I was like 38, 39, I'd only ever worked for other people, been a managed band and put their records out. And, you know, even work for the government, you know, I mean, I'd just done all this stuff for other people. And I think I thought, guys, that I just thought I've got to do something for me now. Do you know what I mean? And and I did. Do you know what I mean? I actually had everything that I did in that next 10 years was really selfish. It was fucking great. Yeah, there's, there's um, I mean, I've, I've read, um, uh, obviously, Richard Branson's autobiography, and there's that, there's that sort of um, chapter in it where he finally sells to... Uh, yeah. Sony, Sony. Uh, he he sells to uh, Thorn EMI, doesn't he? For for like a billion dollars, or whatever. And he, he he sort of sees the um, billboard in the street, and he reads it, and he and he obviously knows it's happened, but he sees it in real life for the first time, and he actually he bursts into tears and sort of runs. Oh home. yeah, he's, oh, no, no. You know, he's he's officially a no. billionaire, sort of thing. So yeah, did, no. Did, 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 no, no sort of moments like that. <laughs> no, I, w- I wish I had made a billion. I made about twenty million, but he's like, do you know what? It was fucking like I'm a, like you got to understand who I am. I was working in a building site. I came to London with twelve quid, and I ended up making twenty twenty million quid twenty years later. I had a result, guys. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> so that's me. And I don't live large. I mean, I live in Wales in a big house, but it is in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's not in Mayfair, so that's what it is. You know what I mean? I think. Um, I think yeah, you've you've done pretty well, Alan, in, in the grand yeah, scheme. Yeah, did all right. <laughs> I did all right. Um, I, did all right, I did all right for a guy to a council say, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd definitely say so. Um, is there a band or an artist that you wish you had signed or anyone ever slipped through the net? One that got away? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's lots that, you know, but I mainly got what I wanted. Uh, I wish I'd signed the Stone Roses, do you know what I mean? But I just didn't know about them. They were like such a Manchester thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, like, you know, I'll take my, I mean, I'll take the bands I had, you know what I mean? I mean, there were some great bands, you know? Yeah, so it's an impressive, impressive roster that you had. Um, what would you say was the highest point of your career so far, anyway? Uh, literally, when I took 36 E's, and ended up in bed for 10 days after it, thinking I was going to die. Uh, you know that that was a that was Christmas 1993. Do you know what I mean? That actually mm. happened. I right. did because I know you think I'm lying, but I, I didn't know what I was doing again, and I I, I I was snorting pure MDMA powder as if it was like coke. That wasn't a good ending. Do you know what I mean? You know, I was like, and that was the beginning of the descent into drug hell. I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Um, now, what's the biggest? Um, I suppose being number one in thirty-two countries, where yeah. that was that was a fucking buzz. You know what I mean? Yeah, that 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 was huge. Yeah, that, what I, about I 
for not even for a week, for about three months. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was mad. It was mania, pure mania. Um, and likewise, uh, I, you've obviously touched on the fact that you had some drug issues and, and had to clean up and go sober. But uh, aside from that point, what would you say was the, the lowest point of your career? Would that probably be the getting into the debt with the label early on? Um, that was all painful. But, I mean, that's just business. Um, what's my lowest point? I could be facetious, but I won't say it. Um, I don't know. I probably has drugs, mate. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I'm not... I mean, I, as much as I enjoyed them, I shouldn't have done them, you know what I mean? And um, obviously, you know, just at the top of this uh, chat, you you obviously sort of touched on your childhood. <clears throat> obviously, you know... Um, tough upbringing as you as you sort of mentioned there especially obviously the relationship with your father and stuff how how much did those early years sort of form the person that had the drive and the and and the mindset whether you knew it at the time or not that that obviously went into you know making 20 million um kind of 20 years later you know how how, how much of that childhood did affect that sort of person that, that obviously achieved that it totally shaped it i don't think if i had had that horrible abusive upbringing which I, that which is kind of what it was I suppose you know what I mean I would have been I, I, what, I know that I came out of Glasgow like a fucking rocket you know what I mean yeah. and uh, you know and I was just going to stick it to absolutely everybody for a long 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 time you know what I mean and uh, and then eventually I suppose I made some sort of peace with it do you know what I mean you know and it was like and now I'm like that, but I don't really know why I'm like that. So it must have just formed formed my character. Do you know what I mean? You know. Yeah. Um, so Alan, just one final sort of question for you while we while we wrap up. What what's next for Alan McGee? What are you up to? What's in the pipeline for the future? Quite a lot. I mean, I've got this film coming out. Films, films out in England. It was for as much as I know what a hit is during COVID. I'm told by Sky, it's a hit. Don't know what that means really. I mean, probably means a lot of people watched it. Um, it's come out in Australia. It's kind of cult there, and it's it it looks as if it's going to win Tribeca Film Festival. And the uh, uh, if you if you win that, I'm told it's the big film at Tribeca. It's that's in about two or three weeks or four weeks or something like that. Um, and it's coming out in America. There was a bid war for the film, so that's all going on. Uh, there's, I've got a little label. It's Creation Baby. I'm getting asked to do a, another big major label deal now by a certain company. Um, I, I'm in talks on that. Just about to go into big talks on it. I, I still manage some bands: Happy Mondays, Cast, Las Vegas, The View, Kyle Faulkner, um, Black Grape, Sean Ryder. So you know, I'm doing all that still. Um, um, that's kind of and then and then I'm going to go out guys and DJ and, and do Q&A's when we come out of this so I'm quite busy good stuff I, you, 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 you're definitely no one can question your love for music Alan and um, there is a quote yeah. that I read Thank at the you. end of the film which I, yeah. I I do attribute to you I think because it had your name afterwards yeah yeah, uh, that, yeah. For, for all the shenanigans <laughs> I got up to at the end of the day I only ever truly cared about the music that, that's, that's true that still stands yeah. true yeah yeah well, for all the good times and all the, the drugs and all the girls, all I really gave a fuck about was the music. That's actually the truth. Yeah, and that, that passion um, saw you go to uh, 
some huge levels of, of success. So, um, Alan, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast chat. All right, mate. And All um, right. thanks, Tom. We'll, I'll catch you at Victorious. Um, I can't believe you've just interviewed Alan McGee. Yeah, that, um, that was a that was a pretty pretty wow moment for me. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, I mean, we're both Oasis fans. I, 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 you, 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 obviously more than me, but um, you know, me and my mates, uh, we we went to the 2005 City of Manchester Stadium gig, which was incredible. Um, and then they had that 2009 tour, and what we did, we thought, right, well, we, you know, we we we'll just buy tickets for pretty much every venue and just see what comes back. One or two, six. Six full, you know, six times six tickets came back. So in the end, we went to uh, we went to Sloan Castle, Wembley Arena, Heaton Park. Um, we did uh, my, my, and then the other the other ones I sort of sacked off because I had you know a, a life. And but they went to they went to Bournemouth and Southampton on top of that, which was lucky because actually they actually split up in the August. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Can I just stop you there, Simon? I'm not having that. No, uh, you, you've got a lot. No, 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 no. If you've got tickets to go and see Oasis, you oh can. no, but, you so. know, and and that's the and that. I mean, yeah, you, you are you are right, but uh, you know, little, st- you know, little did we know they 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 would they were due to split up, and they and they split up in the in the late August, I think, didn't they, of yes. that summer? Yeah, the last time I um, saw them was um, two thousand five at Milton Keynes Bowl. I think that's the last time I managed to get to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what you know, what an incredible band, and um, you know. You booked Noel Gallagher for Vic, for your festival, Victorious. Yeah, um, well, yeah, well, Victorious and, and and yeah, Andy and and Ian our booker. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But yeah, as a as a collective thing, yeah, it's probably yeah. probably was one of the pinnacles of my career in doing events and putting the yeah. festival on um, yeah. to see one of your absolute heroes um, yeah. just on stage in in your hometown at your festival. Um, yeah, if you if you want to talk about a personal personal buzz, then that that was definitely it for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, I was there as a punter that night, and um, you know, our, our mutual good friend Paul, um, Oasis nut, obviously, I was with him. I was with his uh, girlfriend Holly. Um, I think either Paul or Holly when you know went on my shoulders. It was one of those, and 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 we were right in front of a sound booth, and Paul turned round, and I remember this moment, and he sort of like trying to get the attention of someone in this sound booth and I um and I turn around and you sort of you hugged each other and um and I remember that moment and I thought Christ that's two best mates there just no words you couldn't even hear each other but I just thought what an electric moment champagne supernova the, the whole common went blue and I was like I don't care how much this costs. This is like, this is busted from worth every penny. You know, um, and it was an incredible moment for me to just see you two mates, like a hug sort of thing. Um, God knows what it must have been like for you, mate, to be fair. Um, what did, 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 you, did you get to speak to him at all? Or, or? So I'd made a conscious effort because I'd heard, I'd heard with Noel, he can be sometimes, most of the time, very friendly and approachable. Yeah. But sometimes can you know be in a bit of a grumpy mood and not not really be up for speaking to people yeah. uh, and they say you know the old saying goes you shouldn't ever meet your heroes um so i made a conscious effort i thought if the opportunity arises i will speak to him say hello but i'm not going to go and just blindly knock on his dressing room door because if i catch him in a bad mood then you know yeah. it could, could could ruin a few things for me um 
So I had, yeah, just a very brief and pleasant encounter with him around the back yeah. of the main stage. He came down, I think he went up to check out the stage just to see where he was going up and he was coming down the ramp and I was naturally coming the other way. Um, and he stopped, said hello. I said hello. He said um, he was really enjoying his time at the festival. He, to yeah. be honest, he, he came in late. He was he was watching the Man City game somewhere, which is what he always does. And outside his dressing room had a big, huge Man City flag adorned, hanging <laughs> hanging from the side of it. Um, yeah, and then he went on his way, and I went on my way. And um, yeah, that that was good for me because it, it meant that I'd got to meet him and say hi and had that personal interaction with him. But it, um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, no, mate, amazing. Um, f- favorite Oasis song? Oh, this is this is one that gets hotly debated on WhatsApp group texts yeah. <laughs> after a few beers on a Friday night. Um, it's good to be free. Is right. one of my top Oasis songs. Uh, Slide away. To be honest, definitely maybe. What a what a yeah. cracking album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, I actually in 1994 when Definitely Maybe came out. I've had a tough paper round. I was only nine. <laughs> and so for me, I, I remember definitely maybe coming out. I remember a bit of radio play and there was all this talk. Oh, you know, they were on the news Oasis. They were, it was just massive. But for me, the real memories kicked in when the second album came out and Wonderwall, I don't know if you remember, mm, it yeah, was just yeah. on every TV mm. program. It was on every radio station. Mm, mm. It was massive. And, you know, not around that time, 95, 96, Euro 96 was happening there was a real good vibe yeah. and culture in the country at that time. That's it. It was it was it was the sort of cool Britannia sort of type type early early parts of that, wasn't it? The yeah. whole Oasis and Blur thing. Thing is, they they exploded in about three years. But like they were they were discovered what ninety two ninety three. Uh, yeah, yeah. Something around. Yeah. yeah, and then you know by ninety six, they're everywhere. They're yeah. selling out stadiums. Um, and you look at the wave of bands that came through, not just on Creation, Alan's label, which, by the way, there are some fantastic bands on there. We'll put the, we'll reel them all off in the show notes. Um, you know, but Jesus and Mary Chain, Primal Scream, My Bloody Valentine, Teenage Fan Club. There was there's some big names, but you also had uh, the Verve, Ocean Color Scene, Supergrass, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulp, Cast. You know, we we you didn't realise it at the time. You're just having a good time. You're young, but we yeah. we were so blessed to have that as as our generation growing up. Mm. No, no, totally. Um, I mean, for me, I, I, it's, it's a random one, but I just love Songbird. Um, obviously, written by written by Liam. Um, I also love um, Let There Be Love, um, which is a bit because they actually they sort of share the vocals, which is. Which is really rare, isn't it? And I think if you're if you're sort of like in the moment and you, you haven't heard it for a while and you're listening to it, um, you know when Noel sort of takes over halfway through, it's a real sort of like you know, like a real like hairs on the back of your neck type thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, and they and they can do that, but no, they 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 transcended sort of music. You know, they were they were they, they had like comedy sketches done about them. They had you know they were sort of like you know um, they were like. Uh, on on the big breakfast, they were here, they were there, they were pretty much everywhere, weren't they? And this was in such a short space of time. Well, it must have been um, mental. It must be mental to watch it from the inside. Yeah, Alan said, didn't he? Was it was it thirty two countries? They were number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty two yeah. countries. That was huge. And you have to remember, this is still uh, in the day before downloading, so this is record sales. Yeah, this is people going to the oh, shop, sold buying, yeah. Yeah, buying yeah. It on vinyl, buying it on CD, yeah, or cassette. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just 
Oasis to our generation are what the Beatles are to our parents' generation. I, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, such a good time to to live through. But um, yeah, so it was good to chat to Alan. Um, yeah, about his definitely. Career. Um, great, great character, great personality. Yeah, really good. And you know, so many. You know, this is a mindset podcast, and and whether he knows it or not, there's just so much like trying to you know this essentially if you go on his wikipedia page it says alan mcgee is a businessman that's yeah. the first sentence yeah and that is true you know uh, he was you know we didn't talk about it, it didn't really come up but you know if you watch the film and stuff you know he's selling newspapers on the street corner isn't he at, at seven years old and um we obviously asked him about the about the childhood and and you know i think when you're obviously you know, we're, we're, we're not from posh families, but we're certainly not, we're certainly not from, from, from that sort of background. So it's difficult to understand, but you know, some of the best, some of the best businessmen come out of such tough, tough environments because they have no choice and, and they've, and they've, you know, it, it's either one way or the other way. Um, and some of the skills that you learn when you're so young, because you have to, um, ducking and diving and stuff like this, you know, if you look at Alan Sugar, it's the same sort of story, you know, these, these, these people haven't necessarily got sort of textbook answers for things, but they just subconsciously and in their gut know the right thing to do from a business sense and, and quite often how to treat people. You know, if someone's been mistreated themselves, they, again, it, that can go one way or the other, but if you can manage people and you become a good man manager, you know, and, and you've got, and you back yourself, um, you know, really the sky's the limit. And it, and it was really interesting to hear him talk about obviously the childhood and obviously how it shaped him. Yeah. And I think that, uh, he's driven by the passion, which, um, helped shape the whole thing. You know, if you've got a passion and a drive and, and the other thing, which he alluded to at the end, he just wanted to prove people wrong, <laughs> um, which is yeah. another big driving force, which is something that you and I have both talking about. It definitely, definitely, um, something that I, I thrive on. Um, it was interesting as well to talk to him about the early days of putting the gigs on and promoting the gigs that really chimed with me because that's how I started out as I mentioned in the interview and um, I, you know, standing outside chaos, South Parade Pier in the winter, two o'clock in the morning seas lapping up over your head pretty much, you know, the wind's blowing you away and you're there trying to give flyers out to people yeah. to come and watch a band that you've booked above the horseshoe for two pound yeah. fifty, and yeah. then you fast forward, you get to the gig, which maybe you know that following weekend, you know I'm stood on the door, I'm taking the door money, I'm running in, making sure the bands have loaded in properly, make sure they're set up properly, make sure they're going on time properly, and um, yeah, it's just it's just good days, and it, it was it was good grounding, and that that's how he started out, obviously, um, but it, he he's got such a great passion for music, um, it's admirable, and obviously you know look what he's gone on to do. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it is interesting, and, and it's two great points. You know, one, you know, if you, I mean, these days it, it seems much, much easier to obviously put on events. Um, not, not from a, you know, obviously not from a pandemic point of view, but certainly from a sort of marketing point of view, you, you don't have to leave your house. Uh, to, but you know, back in the day, if you've got those sort of you know guerrilla marketing tactics, you know, and 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 you can learn from the ground up, gives you, as you said, a real good sort of uh, obviously a real good grounding to learn every aspect of it. Um, he made a good point as well um, when I was talking about you know the, the luck as it as as it were around being in the right place at the right time. Um, he he said it himself: you make your own luck. Yeah. Um, which you know I've heard that time and time again, and. I'm a believer in that. 
to be honest. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. I mean, you had a point on that you wanted to chat about, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, well, it, it, you know, it, it's just come up so many times during this podcast, hasn't it? Um, you know, pretty much everyone we speak to uh, has said, well, I was just in the right place at the right time. But, you know, as, as we know, the more times you put yourself in that place that you, that, you know, he talks about Sunday night, you know, it's so, it's so easy to say, I can't be asked tonight. I can't be asked to this. I'll, I'll, you know, should, should I go in that extra hour, you know, into work or whatever, you know, if you, if you push through, it's in those, it's in those moments that obviously, you know, opportunity sort of t- tends to reveal itself. Yeah. And I think he quite openly he's been very open about it obviously it's in film the creation stories and documented um had a bad time with his addiction problems um and just you know just living life to excess so that must have been difficult for him because you at the point where you've just signed a band that's gone stratospheric your, your labels churning out band after band after band and you know doing good money and while everyone's off partying and drinking and and what else you're not yeah so yeah. I, I i can't even imagine being in that in that situation really mm-hmm. so it's it's quite a unique thing another thing he mentioned right at the start actually was um about he does a lot of walking obviously i do a lot of walking yeah um and he, he he does his phone calls and and does his business phone calls while he's out walking which is another thing i do yeah yeah um so that was quite an interesting thing that he's adopted there. And he said, obviously, yeah. he's, he's got healthy as well. We're doing That's it. it. We, we, we've started to adopt that here. At, uh, um, obviously, our company, you know, the, we, we've got a lake outside. You know, it's roughly 25 minutes to walk around. Um, and there, there's more and more walking meetings now. Um, you know, everyone's got their Apple watch and everyone wants to get their steps up etc etc so it does tick to two two boxes so but you know but i'm a firm believer in that when you get outside and you you're out of the confines of these four walls different you know just just a different perspective come comes to comes to your mind and you are more free and you can express yourself more freely um it's just when you get caught around the back of the lake and you can't get back and it starts raining i mean that's, (laughs) that's always a tough one but just back to the um obviously the addiction stuff it's always amazed me how if you look at sort of like Bobby Gillespie or someone like that, or, or you know, he's 58, right? He looks amazing <laughs> for a 58 year old. Noel Gallagher is like, what, 52, 53? You know, I, I know he looks after himself these days, but you know, that wasn't always the case. He looks younger than me. Like, yeah. what, you know, you always think it's so unfair. Do you know what I mean? It's so. I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you another one who um, he, he likes clean living these days, um, but looks. Young, looks younger and younger every year is Tim yeah. Burgess from yeah. the Charlatans. Yeah. Um, lovely bloke, Tim. Um, but I just, another thing that really impressed me with Alan is, uh, yeah, as we said, he's obviously a businessman. He's grown creation, which was his baby, his passion, but he's also monetized it. You know, everyone yeah. has to earn a living. Yeah. As, he, as he said, you've got to feed your family. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of exited. He's gone full circle. It's, he's had some great times and he's had some, worrying and stressful times mm. but he you, you you know he's genuine like like when i said uh when i said about his quote i only ever truly cared about the music mm. some people could maybe say well you sold for x million pound and you know you're all right now you're comfortable but he just said to us he's back he's still yeah. managing bands he's, he's still, djing he's gonna go out djing he's djing he's, he's been paid he's been paid 20 million pound and he's gonna go out djing like that so right, that's, that's that, a sign of truth in what he says for me. Yeah, totally, totally that. And, and you know, the, the one lesson, if we could take one lesson from this, it's, it's, 
it's to specialize it's to become a geek in something you know if you look at any walk of life it, it's the it's the it's the person that goes inch wide mile deep that people want to spend time around because they you know and, and, it, and it's so accessible to find people like this now with, with social media if you the more niche you become the more it's the, randomly the more easily you're found you're, you become a name in in your sector whatever sector that is because you're so niche and you become the expert and what happens when experts are experts they get paid for it you know and the money and the success and all that come, will come later it's 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 becoming and finding the passion and just being led by the passion which which uh, certainly obviously what alan's got yeah that's right and just to sort of finish up really um from the cultural perspective and it was nice to chat to alan off air actually just to get my thoughts and feelings across to him is you know i just can't say thank you enough to him really for i know what an effect those bands and his label had on my life and millions of other people across the world um and it was all because he you know had the dream and, and the passion and he went and started it so I can't, I can't thank him enough for that, really. And to um, have the chat to him today was just an absolute honour, really. That's it for another Mindset Musings podcast. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate our listeners and the feedback that we receive. We hope you have either been entertained or gained something of value from the show. If you have, can we please ask you to leave us a five-star iTunes review or a review wherever you feel is relevant. Please feel free to follow us on Instagram at mindset.musings. Our personal Insta handles are included in the bio. Drop us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.